This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. To the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. I had put out a poll on Instagram uh, to see what you guys wanted to hear about this week, uh, whether that be breastfeeding and formula feeding and my journey with that, or our experience with sleep and sleep training and crying it out and all that uh, glorious stuff that comes with having a baby. But given that it is World Breastfeeding Week, I thought it made sense for me to talk about breastfeeding, formula feeding, my experience with both of those things, and talk about some of the common struggles that women face uh, while breastfeeding and also formula feeding, and what the research actually tells us about breastfeeding. And of course, in there, I'm going to give my own thoughts, my own experiences that have shaped these thoughts uh, and maybe go on a couple rants because that's what I do. I'll start with my own experiences and journey with breastfeeding. When I was pregnant with Milo, my intention was always to breastfeed. I didn't know how long I would breastfeed for, but, you know, I think I had it set in my mind that breastfeeding was the best thing to do. Uh, I wasn't really aware of the struggles that come with breastfeeding, but that was my intention. I wanted to breastfeed. I was going to try to breastfeed, but I also had in the back of my mind that I didn't want to put breastfeeding ahead of, you know, enjoying my time with my baby and mental health struggles or anything like that. And I think some people who are very pro breastfeeding and very much against formula may not necessarily agree with that, but that's fine. We're all different. We all have our own opinions. What's one mom's priority is not necessarily going to be another mom's priority, and that is totally fine. But my intention was to breastfeed. I went to, you know, a breastfeeding class with a lactation consultant. I bought the book, The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding. Um, Yeah, like I prepared myself to breastfeed. And I would say that I was probably mildly against formula. And I remember when I was pregnant, um, just realizing that, you know, maybe breastfeeding would be a struggle for me and I might have to give him formula. I remember researching, um, you know, the best kinds of formula to give your child and I was fully prepared to, you know, spend a bunch of money importing freaking formula from Europe that was, you know, the best possible formula you could give your baby. I really looked at the formula industry as a business and I still do. Obviously, these are massive businesses, but it bothered me that when I would go for, you know, pregnancy checkups, they had like free samples of formula giving them out to moms and that bothered me and it still kind of bothers me because instead of providing education, they, you know, are trying to get you to use one brand over another brand uh, just because that's the brand that is somehow affiliated with my OB. Anyways, that's not the point of this episode, but all I'm trying to say is that I had a negative view of formula going into becoming a mom and I was very much 
expecting to breastfeed for as long as possible. But at the same time, I was able to, you know, understand that maybe I wouldn't be able to breastfeed. So I didn't want to put this expectation on myself and then be super disappointed if, you know, breastfeeding didn't work out for me and I had to give Milo formula. So it was kind of like teetering in between both viewpoints because I was against formula. I wanted to breastfeed, but I also didn't want to set myself up for feeling like a failure if I couldn't breastfeed for whatever reason. This mindset was probably easier for me to have than some people because my husband was supportive uh, with whatever choice I wanted to make. And also, you know, my mom formula fed me, my two siblings, and we're fine. Um, So I didn't have, I guess, the external pressures from family to, you know, you have to breastfeed. Breastfeeding is the best. Um, Also, I would say my friends were super supportive as well. They understood how difficult breastfeeding can be. And I don't think anyone really... Um, in my friend group passes judgment on whether or not someone breastfeeds or formula feeds, which I think is very uncommon uh, in the mom communities right now. And this is super unfortunate because we just need to feel supported and the last thing we need is judgment from anybody. Now, before I get into this episode, I just want to say that I totally acknowledge that there are lactation consultants out there who can help people with any kind of issue that they may be having with breastfeeding. Um, Ideally, I would love to have a lactation consultant come on the show and answer any questions that people may have or, you know, just educate us on breastfeeding and common problems and how they can help fix those problems. So that will definitely be an episode in the future. So look out for that one. But right now I am going to get into my breastfeeding and formula feeding journey that I had with Milo. I'll start off by saying that we never had issues with latch. So, you know, right in the hospital after Milo was born and they put him on my chest and we tried breastfeeding, it was fairly simple, which I know is not common. I think a lot of people struggle with the latch. Um, So I was super happy that he was latching well and it seemed like he was getting milk. Um, so that wasn't an issue at all. And the first night in the hospital, um, in Canada, we spend one night or 24 hours in the hospital after giving birth. Typically, unless you have a midwife, then I think you can go home sooner. Um, so I had an OB, so I stayed the 24 hours and the first night in the hospital, Milo slept through the night, which I know this is so ridiculous, But my husband and I were in a private room with Milo and I remember the nurses coming in in the morning and they were like, you guys were so quiet last night. Is everything going okay? And I was like, yeah, no, he slept right through the night. And they looked at us like, um, you need to wake your baby up and feed him. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even consider this. I was like, I passed out. I gave birth at around 8 p.m. at night. So by the time we got to our room and I got cleaned up and comfortable, I passed out and my husband passed out and we didn't even think 
that we had to wake up Milo if he didn't wake up on his own and feed him. I was expecting him to wake up and cry and then I would have to breastfeed, but that didn't happen. And maybe it was a good thing because we're all good now and we got a good night's sleep that first night in the hospital. But I remember thinking, like, these nurses must think we're stupid. Here's a physician, his wife, who's doing her PhD, and we didn't wake our child up to feed him. But anyways, whatever. So the first, I would say, 48 hours, breastfeeding was going totally fine. Milo was latching. My nipples were doing okay. Um, They were a little bit tender, of course, because, you know, the skin in that area is not used to feeding a child. But I had heard horror stories from some of my friends about, you know, their nipples bleeding and being infected. And I didn't experience that and I also found a position that was super comfortable. I would kind of lay back on the couch or in bed and put the breastfeeding pillow on my lap and Milo would lay across the breastfeeding pillow and he would feed and I could sit there for like a half hour, 45 minutes. I could eat dinner like while he was breastfeeding in that position. It was super comfortable. So I really had no complaints at the beginning. They do have, I'll just say this now, they do have a prescription cream or ointment for a woman's nipples if they do get dry and chapped and uh, irritated. So my OB gave me that prescription before I even gave birth to Milo just so that I would have it on hand. So keep that in mind and ask your uh, doctor about that if you want to have that cream handy because it really does help. So breastfeeding was going well and then prior to having Milo, I had rented a hospital grade pump system. Uh, I think mine was the Medela and I figured out how to use that. It was literally like rocket science, putting all the pieces together and everything, but we were able to do that. I hooked it up. It was really hilarious the first time I used it because you don't even realize how far your nipples can stretch. It is hilarious. It's exactly like a lot of women say they feel like they're a cow being milked. That's literally what it is. Like if you can picture someone pulling the udder of a cow, that's what a hospital grade or any pump, I guess, is going to do to your nipples. And it's funny at first, but then it starts to fucking suck. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. 
If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. So breastfeeding, pumping, breastfeeding, pumping. This is what I was doing the first day, first two days. And Milo was born small, so I was induced at 38 weeks because he had kind of plateaued in my uterus. He wasn't getting bigger, so they wanted to induce uh, so that he could get out of, you know, the uterus into the world and I could feed him and then he would get bigger on the outside. My placenta was being a dud. So after he was born in the hospital, when they do all the testing on the baby, they found that he was showing signs of potentially having jaundice. And we were kind of right on the border of him needing to stay in hospital to get treatment versus, you know, we can go home and try and feed him and flush the bilirubin out of his system. So they let us go home, but they told us that at his first doctor's appointment, which I think is on day three of him being home, they would have to reassess and he potentially could have to stay overnight in hospital to be under the lights and to get treatment for jaundice. So I was super anxious about this because I could not imagine him having to stay overnight in the hospital And so this set me up to be super anxious about the amount of milk he was getting once we got home because I knew that in a couple days we had to go to the doctors and they were gonna tell me if he was jaundiced and had to go to the hospital or if he was fine. And to me, it seemed like that was based upon how much milk he was gonna drink in the first couple days at home. 
And honestly, I'm aware that maybe this is not even the case and you may know a lot more than me about jaundice or, you know, the situation that I was in and medically speaking, what would have determined whether or not he was in the hospital or not. But in that moment, that is what I was thinking. He needed to drink a lot of breast milk to gain weight and to kind of flush Billy Rubin out through his urine and if he didn't drink enough milk then he was gonna have to stay overnight uh, and be supplemented with formula like this is what was going through my head and this is what I was super anxious about the next thing that was giving me major anxiety was that it seemed like his poops were super runny and almost like diarrhea and mucusy from my breast milk. He was also really suffering from what seemed to be gas pains at night. I hated seeing him so uncomfortable and the first thing that came to my mind was, well, I need to stop eating dairy because maybe he has an allergy to dairy and that's what's causing it in my breast milk. But to be honest, I barely ate dairy at that time. I'm not a huge, I don't drink milk. I didn't eat ice cream. I mean, I do now, but I wasn't eating ice cream. Maybe the odd time I would have a yogurt or some cheese, um, but I didn't really eat dairy. So while I knew that it could have been dairy, in my mind, I was also like, I'm not going to cut dairy out of my diet for seven to 14 days and just see if that makes a difference. It's kind of like when adults have allergies and they have to go through, you know, months of cutting things out, introducing them back in just to see if it makes a difference. Like he was in pain. He was having gas pains. He was having super mucusy, runny, abnormal poops from my breast milk. And I wanted it fixed like then. I didn't want to wait like seven days and see if that helped to find out that it didn't help and then now I have to cut something else out and wait another seven days to see if that helps. I was like, I want this fixed now and especially with the added anxiety of him not flushing the bilirubin and having jaundice and having to stay overnight in the hospital. This is how I felt and this is what was going through my mind. So don't take this as like a medical advice <laughs> because I'm not even sure what I'm saying. This is just how I understood it when I was in this like fog of postpartum the few days after coming home from the hospital and being stressed out about Milo's health and breastfeeding and formula. Sure, I could do a quick Google search right now and tell you exactly what's going on, but um, that's not the point of this podcast episode. This is just about my experience. Um, and maybe on another episode, we'll do, you know, a conversation with a medical professional that actually uh, knows about this stuff. Anyways, back to my story. So that's that's the stress that I was under in those couple days. And I remember being super anxious and dreading that first doctor's appointment. I think it was the evening before our doctor's appointment and I was crying and I was upset and Milo was still having, you know, his mucusy runny poops. Milo was crying. It was just not a good evening. And I specifically remember my husband bringing out one of the little, you know, pre-made bottles of formula that they sell. And he was like, here, we're going to give him formula and it's going to be fine. And I had this internal 
cognitive dissonance. I really wanted to give him the formula because it was like, here, here is this pre-packaged, you know, full of everything that a baby needs liquid that you can just easily give your baby um, with no questions asked. You know how much he's eating. And to be honest, the physical aspect of breastfeeding is difficult and formula just seemed physically so much easier but it's not easier mentally or emotionally because of the stigma surrounding giving formula as opposed to breastfeeding and I'm not saying that breastfeeding is easy mentally and emotionally because it's not for some people but what I'm saying is formula also comes with an emotional or a mental struggle as well. And again, that's for some people. Everyone's situation is different, of course. So in that moment, when we first gave Milo formula and he was loving it, um, I was so happy to kind of ease my anxiety about him eating enough and, you know, the Billy Rubin stuff But then at the same time, I had this emotional or mental struggle with feeling like I just gave up so easily and, you know, I failed at breastfeeding and, you know, everybody else does it for so long and they struggle and push through. Like, why can't you? Especially because I didn't have the physical issues that some women have. I didn't have bleeding, cracked nipples, infections, mastitis, mastitis, whatever it's called, mastitis. Uh, Milo latched perfectly fine. Like I was comfortable in position breastfeeding. I didn't have those physical issues, but I was stressed out about his diarrhea or what I thought was diarrhea or mucusy poops, his jaundice, and thinking that there was something in my breast milk that just wasn't agreeing with him and wasn't good for him. So we had our appointment and he didn't need to go to the hospital, but he was still a little bit jaundiced. Um, She was super supportive about the supplementing with formula and, you know, doing whatever was best for us. I was so lucky. My doctor was awesome. She had two small kids herself, so she was very understanding and could relate to a lot of the issues that I was going through. So being the little experimenter that I am, we decided that after that doctor's appointment, we would give him formula for the next few days and I would pump and save the milk and freeze it. And we would see what the formula did for his poops and for his gas. Right away, we noticed that his poops were way more normal on formula and he was still having issues with gas. So we tried one of the allergy friendly formulas and that seemed to really help with his gas. We also changed his bottle to the Dr. Brown's bottles, which kind of prevents the baby from sucking in air as they're drinking from a bottle. Highly recommend. I don't even know why other bottles exist because that made a huge difference. So over the next two months, Milo was getting formula, I was pumping and freezing my breast milk, and every like couple weeks, we would try and introduce him to breast milk again by putting it, you know, half and half with formula, and again, he would have diarrhea and gas uh, symptoms. So I literally 
pumped for two months on a schedule, waking up at like three in the morning to pump because my boobs would feel like they were going to explode if I didn't pump overnight because my intention was that eventually he would grow out of whatever was bothering him and my breast milk and then I would have all this breast milk frozen and ready to give to him. But this never happened and at the two-month mark, I remember trying one last time to give him breast milk and again, he didn't react well to it. So I decided, fuck it, We're just going to keep giving formula. He loves the formula. We love the formula. It's super easy. And I thought, you know what? This is great. Now I can donate all this breast milk that I've saved. Or so I thought. Once I started to look into it, I realized that because I take a daily anti-anxiety medication, I was not eligible to be able to donate breast milk. So how heartbreaking is this? I pumped for two months and nobody is going to get the breast milk. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner. I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. When I think about it now, I'm just like, wow, why did I pump for two months? Like we were doing so well with the formula. Why didn't I just give him formula and be happy with that and not put myself through pumping for two months every day, every night? 
I think nowadays, especially, there's this pressure on moms to breastfeed and that if you don't breastfeed and even if you're going through complete agony physically, emotionally, mentally, if you don't breastfeed, you're not doing what's best for your baby and you're a bad mom. I remember going shopping at, you know, health food stores or grocery stores and a clerk would come up to me and be like, oh, like, is there anything I can help you with? And I'd have Milo in his stroller and I'd be looking at a certain product, whether it be like a probiotic or, you know, something along those lines. And the first thing they would ask is, oh, are you breastfeeding? Because, you know, a lot of products are not recommended if you are breastfeeding. So I get why they would ask that question. But also to me, it was so frustrating because I knew I was trying so hard to be able to give him my breast milk, but it wasn't a yes or no answer. So I almost felt obligated, like I had to tell this freaking store clerk about my entire breastfeeding journey and how, you know, well, I'm pumping like every fucking three hours and I'm freezing it because I'm hoping that down the road he's going to be able to have my breast milk. Like, no, like, fuck, I didn't want to have to explain this to people. And it's frustrating. And it reminds me of when people ask if couples are trying for a second baby. It's like, A lot of people don't just have a yes or no answer for you. There's like a whole fucking backstory that they don't want to have to tell you. And that's how I felt with the breastfeeding. I was like, I wanted to scream at people like, I'm trying, like, I don't know what's going on. And then they'd be like, oh, you should go see a lactation consultant, like blah, blah, blah. And in my mind, I was like, no, it has nothing to do. Like he's latching fine. I'm physically fine. Like we're able to breastfeed and we've done our own little experiments at home and he's totally fine on formula. He's not fine on breast milk. So we made the executive decision to just give him fucking formula because I don't want to spend, you know, three months just giving him breast milk trying to figure out what it is that I'm eating that's upsetting him. And whilst trying to figure this out, dealing with a gassy, crying, upset baby that's having diarrhea. So that's my weird little fucked up breastfeeding formula story. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to breastfeed and to get breast milk into Milo, but I'm very lucky that, you know, my partner was so supportive with regard to giving him formula and my family and friends too. I didn't have these um, people surrounding me in my close circle that were shaming me or making me feel guilty for not breastfeeding. So I think for me, it was uh, an easier choice to just stick with the formula. And also my healthcare provider was super supportive, which also helps. I think breastfeeding is one of those things where there's just like a societal pressure on moms to breastfeed and formula is kind of looked down upon. So even if you don't have people in your life that are directly making you feel shameful for giving formula, you feel that as a mom and you're defensive about it. So when people just casually ask you if you're breastfeeding and you're not, you have this like feeling that they're judging you even though they may not be at all. So why do we feel that way? If you haven't listened to episode number one of this podcast called Momposter Syndrome, I highly recommend you go and listen because I think those five reasons why we feel like a momposter apply perfectly to the shame we feel for not breastfeeding as well. I won't go into depth with these five things, but basically they are social media, unsolicited advice, 
the one study they obsess about on every media outlet, which I'm going to get into the research soon, the hashtag blessed moms and our incessant need to compare ourselves to other moms. The research that I'm going to be talking about on this episode, I am pulling from a fantastic book that I highly recommend. It's called Crib Sheet, and it's written by Emily Oster, O-S-T-E-R. What Emily has done in this book is basically collect all the research on, you know, these common things that we stress about as moms of babies. So breastfeeding, sleeping, potty training, all the different developmental milestones. And what she does is she pulls the data from the strong research studies and basically just explains what the data is saying. It's so easy to come across findings from whatever research study or reading a title of a research study or listening to the news and they're talking about some new research that came out. But if you really dive into these studies and you understand research methodology, you'll find that a lot of these studies are flawed. I'm not going to go into the different kinds of research studies in this episode, but she does go into that in Crib Sheet so that you kind of understand um, what she's talking about when she explains why she selected some studies and why other studies are not providing strong support. On page 67 of this book, she has a table that highlights all the benefits of breastfeeding that moms are usually bombarded with. Some of the most common short-term benefits for babies um, from breastfeeding include fewer colds and infections, fewer allergic rashes, fewer gastrointestinal issues, uh, and lower risk of SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome. And then for long-term child benefits from breastfeeding, there's a huge list of things that include, you know, lower risk of arthritis, diabetes, pneumonia, Crohn's disease, obesity, allergies, asthma, and the list goes on. So those are the benefits for the child. And there's also a huge list of benefits for the mom, like weight loss, better bonding with your baby, saving money, more stress resistant, more sleep. You have lower risk of cancer, lower risk of osteoporosis, lower risk of postpartum depression, and there's also many more. So what Emily did in her book is pull all the research on all these different topics, and she takes the high quality studies and explains to us exactly what the data is saying. On page 86 of her book, after explaining all the research and what the data shows, she has another table that lists all the benefits of breastfeeding that are supported by the research. So the supported short-term benefits to baby are with regard to diarrhea and rashes and eczema. So these results were taken from a large randomized trial, which means that mothers were separated into two different groups and one group was encouraged to breastfeed and the other was not. At three months postpartum, in the encouraged group, 43% of the moms were exclusively breastfeeding and in the not encouraged group, only 6% of the moms were exclusively 
exclusively breastfeeding. The results looked something like this. 13% of the children in the group of mothers that wasn't encouraged to breastfeed had at least one diarrhea episode versus only 9% of those whose mothers were encouraged. For rashes and eczema, the rates were also lower in the group whose mothers were encouraged to breastfeed at 3% uh, compared to 6% in the group whose mothers were not encouraged to breastfeed. So these numbers do seem very small, but the results are significant. And we also need to keep in mind that it wasn't a study where the one group exclusively breastfed and the other group exclusively gave formula. It was kind of mixed. So if we did have a randomized controlled trial that was more clear cut and the groups were specifically breast milk versus formula, the results may be bigger. And at the same time, it's important to remember that these are very minor illnesses and they are super common in all babies, regardless of whether or not they're breastfed or formula fed. Other common illnesses that were looked at in this study that didn't show any differences between groups were things like respiratory infections, ear infections, croup, and wheezing. So when you look at that table on page 86 that shows the benefits of breastfeeding that are supported by strong research, you find fewer allergic reactions, which are the rashes and the eczema, fewer episodes of diarrhea, lower risk of neck for preterm babies, and the few studies that look at ear infections are inconclusive. So that's a big maybe. So my point in sharing this research with you guys is just to point out that while there are some benefits in the short term for baby, the evidence is limited. And the evidence certainly does not warrant moms feeling guilty or shame because they're not breastfeeding. It also doesn't warrant moms feeling pressured to do one over the other by anyone. And that includes healthcare professionals. All moms should be properly informed about breastfeeding, its benefits, and also not made to feel bad if they want to formula feed. I did both. I breastfed and I formula fed. And if Milo reacted well, to my breast milk, then I think I would have breastfed for a long time and I would have loved it because other than that, I didn't really have any issues. But it does break my heart when I hear other moms' stories about breastfeeding or formula feeding and how they were made to feel or how they were pressured into breastfeeding or even pressured to formula feed, which I've received messages like that as well, which is what I am going to get into next. Some experiences that you guys had that you shared with me on Instagram. This first message is from a mom who really struggled with breastfeeding and once she made the choice to go to formula is when she really started to be able to bond with her baby and enjoy being a mom. The message says, just that word breastfeeding takes me to a dark place. Nobody tells you how painful it is. My nipples were literally ripped to shreds by day three. I wasn't even enjoying my baby. I didn't want anyone to touch him, look at him, hold him, nothing because he was going to wake up and want to nurse and and it was going to kill me. I could feel the depression coming on. My husband finally put his foot down and said we're giving him formula. I felt like I was poisoning him. I had all the emotions because everyone I talked to said, oh yeah, it hurts, just push through, like it was so easy. I felt like someone took a piece of glass and tried to cut my nipples off. The pain was so intense, not to mention they were cracked, bleeding, all of it. Once I accepted that I was going to do formula and my baby was getting fuller off formula and thriving, 
is when the unexplainable love and just real bond between he and I kicked in. I also started to feel more myself. Mind you, this was all in the span of the first two weeks. This next message kind of speaks to not so much the physical pain of breastfeeding, but maybe more the mental or emotional struggles that can come with breastfeeding. The message says, I breastfed and I'm glad I did, but what really surprised me was the resentment I felt in the beginning. Since I was the only one who could feed our son, it was such a heavy and constant obligation. My husband would sleep soundly next to me during the middle of the night feedings and I would feel so much rage. I also hated being glued to the couch for so many hours a day. I would watch our neighbors in their front yard and feel so much jealousy that they could be out in their yard having a fun day. It was always so lonely. She also says, I was never really in love with breastfeeding. I felt a societal pressure to love it and feel so bonded with my son by breastfeeding, but it mostly just made me feel like a cow. Another message that I loved was pointing out the fact that we always hear the struggles of breastfeeding and not so much the stories where, you know, moms really enjoyed it and didn't really have any issues. And I would have to agree with that message in that... Everyone I know who breastfed did have some kind of struggles. Um, I don't think breastfeeding or formula feeding comes with zero struggles because just having a baby is hard. But her concern, which is totally valid, is that you hear all these horror stories all the time and then it gives women who are pregnant um, anxiety about breastfeeding. And to that, I would say I highly recommend going to a breastfeeding class, a lact- like visiting a lactation consultant even before you give birth, just to be more knowledgeable about the topic. And if you meet with a lactation consultant, then you know who you can call if you're having troubles when you're trying to breastfeed breastfeed. So it kind of is that safety net. This next comment is not what we would expect to hear, but this woman says, I'm still breastfeeding my 20-month-old in a southern U.S. state. Breastfeeding is not common here. I've heard it all, that I'm selfish, ruining my boobs, not prioritizing my marriage, which is common here because husbands don't want to share, and that I'm not giving my baby the best possible nutrition. I haven't breastfed in public since my baby turned one year old. The stigma is strong, but this is what's best for my family. I received so many messages about this topic and everyone has such a unique story and experience with breastfeeding or formula feeding. And to be honest, it blows my mind that saying fed is best and talking about research that shows the benefits of breast milk may not be as big as we're made to feel that they are. So basically by saying that, you know, formula is a great choice for babies as well, people get up in arms and so defensive and angry about it. And when I was thinking about this today, I was like, you know, you would think that if the research showed that formula is a really great and healthy option for families to use, you would think that people would respond with like, wow, that's great. I'm happy to hear that formula is such a good option for families. And you know that babies can thrive and do well being formula fed, right? I mean, some women have a really hard time breastfeeding. Some women can't breastfeed. So you would think that formula as a great option would be a good thing and everyone can just be happy and choose to do what they want to do. But instead, people, and typically this is moms, other moms, are enraged that I would even suggest that formula can be a great option for families. 
Shouldn't we be happy that something that's so easily available to families is good for their baby if they're struggling to breastfeed or don't want to breastfeed for whatever reason? Shouldn't we feel relieved for all those moms who now have a great option to give their babies? Shouldn't we be relieved that now moms who can't breastfeed or don't want to breastfeed aren't going to feel anxious or guilt or shame about not breastfeeding? By saying that fed is best or, you know, by stating what the research shows when it comes to breast milk or formula, I'm not shaming moms who breastfeed. I'm not saying breastfeeding is not a good thing to do. If that is what you want to do and it's working and it's making you happy, your baby's happy, the family's happy, then that is great. The sentiment of fed is best is not putting down breastfeeding. What it's doing is empowering women to make the choice about whether they want to breastfeed or formula feed. It's removing the pressure of feeling like you have to breastfeed. It's removing the shame or guilt that women feel if they give their baby formula. It's giving women the confidence to choose what they want to do and trying to remove this back and forth, this is better than this narrative that's happening in the mom community. I'll just end by saying that breastfeeding is the best choice for moms and babies and families who are happy breastfeeding. Formula feeding is the best choice for moms and babies and families that are happy formula feeding. This episode is being released on Tuesday and on Sunday I was all proud of myself because I finished the full episode, I uploaded it, everything was ready to go and then Sunday night I had a conversation with a follower on Instagram and I couldn't publish this episode without sharing what we talked about and what my new absolute favorite slogan for feeding a child is. So I pulled the episode down on Sunday night and now I'm adding this on Monday morning. Based on conversations that I've had with other moms and, you know, just reading the comments on different TikToks and posts uh, and stories that I've done with regard to breastfeeding and formula feeding, it seems to me that moms who breastfeed are, you know, put their backs up against the wall and get defensive when you say fed is best. And it also seems like women who formula fed get their backs up against the wall, obviously, and get defensive when people say that breast is best. So something she pointed out to me that I absolutely love is that we should all just be saying supported is best. So if someone chooses to breastfeed, they should be supported as much as possible. If someone chooses to formula feed, they should be supported as much as possible. If someone chooses to do both, they should be supported as much as possible. If someone chooses to breastfeed until their child is, you know, 26 months old, they should be supported as much as possible. If a mom is struggling to wean her child from breast to a bottle, she should be supported as much as possible. The situations are really endless and the more conversations I have with women about breastfeeding or formula feeding, it becomes very clear that no matter what method people are choosing, there are struggles no matter what. So supported is best. 
I'm almost nervous to put out this episode because, you know, and I'm also thinking about my TikToks and I'm like, oh my God, should I remove them? Because this is such a controversial topic. And it's true, I'm getting like berated on TikTok, but I'm going to keep it. I'm going to publish this episode because I believe in it and I think people need to hear it. If you know of anyone else that needs to hear this episode, then I encourage you to send it to them. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thursday's episode is all about the pelvic floor. I'm talking to Dr. Alicia Jeffrey Thomas, who is a pelvic floor physiotherapist. You do not want to miss that one. If you haven't already, please rate and review this podcast wherever you are listening. You can follow me on Instagram and on TikTok at the.mom.room. My blog is renearena.com. And again, thank you so much for listening and I hope your children sleep tonight. Today.